you do at the readings, Jeff. Well, that was quick. I mean, he was born yesterday, and now he's a 12-year-old. <laughs> made a lot of progress there. But, you know, uh, in the Jewish tradition and in Luke's gospel, it, nothing has really changed from one day to the next. In other words, Jesus is a child uh, either way. Uh, you don't become an adult in the, in the Jewish tradition until you're bar mitzvah, around uh, the age of 13. So Luke intends to make sure we know that Jesus is a child and therefore not culpable for his eye rolls or any other snotty things he may have said to his parents. He's scot-free on that because he's not an adult yet. And uh, as a child, he is nonetheless rather precocious, wouldn't you say? So uh, I think let's chat. We're going to talk this morning about New York life. We're going to talk about September 25th. We're going to talk about weddings, and we're going to talk about Oh Holy Night, not necessarily in that order. But let's actually start by talking about the scripture lessons just a little bit, so we're all on the same page with those. So first lesson is from uh, uh, 1 Samuel. Samuel's probably the most significant uh, figure in the Hebrew part of the scriptures that pretty much nobody knows about. I mean, uh, Dave, don't raise your hand. Everybody else, like... <laughs> Three stories about Samuel, real quick. Give me even one story about Samuel, really quick. Okay, so he's got two books named after him. He's like all over the place. Really super important figure. Um, and of course, uh, you, in many cases, our first lesson and the gospel lesson are meant to kind of be theologically related to each other, uh, or in some way thematically related. And you could see how it is today. In other words, we meet this young boy, Samuel, who has been dedicated by his parents to serve in the temple because originally Hannah thought she could have no children. She went to the temple to pray. Eli, the priest, promises her that she will, in fact, have a child. And, and when she does, once the child is weaned, she has him uh, live and serve in the temple. And they visit the child. You're talking about losing the baby like for like 24 hours. They dedicate the child to live in the temple all year and they visit once a year and he gets a new linen ephod every time uh, they show up because of course he's growing. And, and he grows to be this great prophet uh, within the history of Israel. He is, a, he is a really mixed bag though when you read the stories as an adult. Uh, lack of a better word for him, it's really grumpy. And, and uh, uh, does a lot of like difficult things and gives the first king of Israel, Saul, a really hard time. So Samuel, kind of a mixed bag as an adult, maybe because he's left by himself to serve in the temple by his parents as a six-year-old, as per the story. Uh, the gospel lesson is kind of the reverse. Jesus does not get left all year. He gets left for one day by his parents in the temple. And of course, it's because he's there about his, his father's business uh, where he's asking questions and teaching. Uh, as with so many of the stories in the gospels, the story is fascinating, raises a lot of questions and wonder in our minds. But I think the evangelist Luke's real reason for including it is, is his summation at the end of how, of how his parents react to him, which is what? They did not understand what he said. On the other hand, Mary treasures all these things in her heart. Luke's way of signaling what's going to be super true in this gospel which is faith is a, is a matter of heart in the very last great story, the road to Emmaus. When is it that, what, when is it that the, the two people who are walking with Jesus comprehend who it is? It's, it's when he breaks the bread, but then what do they say to each other? Didn't our hearts burn within us? Faith is a matter of the heart. 
And it's not, as it turns out, a matter of understanding in Luke's gospel. Think of all of the people who are going to uh, hear him teach, who are going to see his miracles, or are going to listen to these great parables, the prodigal son, uh, the good Samaritan. These all show up only in Luke's gospel. Just because they hear it doesn't mean they understand it. Most of all, you will encounter that September 25th this year, which is when we get to a gospel lesson that's Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. What's that one about? David Muriel, you can answer if you want really quick, but now I put you on the spot, so don't answer. <laughs> Unless you really want to. Okay, that's the one uh, where Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man dies and goes to hell. And he's calling up to Father Abraham, which is where the poor man, Lazarus, has gone for eternity. And he's at the end, he says, can't you send somebody to my brothers? And Abraham says back, even if somebody should rise from the dead, they won't listen to him. And it's such a sad parable, because I think it's Jesus foreshadowing of his own death and resurrection, and also his awareness that both in his living and his dying, that if people don't want to listen to him, they're not going to listen to him. In other words, knowledge is not wisdom. Just because you hear Jesus doesn't mean any of us assent to who he actually is. And why is that? I mean, it's, it's not hard stuff, this good news of Jesus Christ, but of course it is because it boils down to the essence of who God is, love. Uh, and in the Greek, that's agape or agape. Uh, which is a self-giving, self-sacrificing love. And that's the hard part. None of us are super pumped at times in our life to actually be self-giving and self-sacrificial. So I think, Paul, if you're kind of ready back there, uh, I'm not, I think a lot of you have seen this commercial. This was a New York Life ad that they did for the 2020 Super Bowl, and they still keep showing like a 30-second version of it. And uh, it's about agape. So, yeah, let her rip. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge, the love you have for a grandparent or a brother. Third, there's eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. So I love that ad at some level. It's very effective uh, at conveying what each of those words mean. Uh, awesome visuals. Of course, they spend a lot of money to make it, so it probably shouldn't be good. Um, but uh, to me, really effective at conveying uh, a, a message and, and hopefully their sense of who they are as a, as a, as a corporation. On the other hand, I kind of hate it as an ad because uh, they're right. I mean, the ancient Greeks did have four words for love. 
but nowadays nobody know that if a word for Christianity, because Christianity became uh, used Greek as its working language. And to this very day, I'm not sure uh, if you were Greek that you would have an awareness of what that word agape means, but uh, people in churches have been hearing it for centuries and centuries. And it's a little perturbing that, that a corporate uh, uh, selling message kind of co-ops our own word. Uh, perhaps we should just be doing a better job of telling it ourselves, uh, rather than being mad at New York like. Uh, but I think the images of what agape is, which is in, in the commercial largely to sacrifice something of yourself for the good of an individual is true, but it, it's always been so much more than that in scripture. And I think that's, that's what we uh, do well to focus on a, a little bit today, that yesterday always changes today. And that's especially true, of course, on the day after Christmas, but yesterday, Christmas always changes whatever today we happen to be living in. This gets us now to O Holy Night. Uh, if you were here at the noon or 10 p.m. services this year, you got to hear uh, Jeff Stark sing that beautifully. He sang the whole song as it was originally uh, written in English by John Sullivan back in 1855. That date is kind of significant. Also, interesting little factoid, O Holy Night was the first song ever played live on radio in 1906. A radio technician played it on his violin. You can take that home for a little time. If you remember nothing from this morning. So I said he, he wrote the English words in 1855. The significance of that, anybody know? Is that he was an abolitionist. And so the third verse of O Holy Night uh, is about how um, the slave is our brother, using that 1855 language, and, and uh, the, breaks the chains of bondage. Now that's an interesting thing, Jeff saying the whole song as, as it's written, uh, and beautifully so. If you listen to that commercially, and now all the commercial songs are kind of off at this point, but if you listen to that commercially, you never hear that. I've never heard that actually in a commercial over the radio or even uh, most of the Christmas things that a lot of artists put out. It's as if being against slavery is, is too hot still for the Christmas season, that somehow it doesn't have anything to do with the babe of Bethlehem. But of course, it has everything to do with the babe of Bethlehem. Of course he comes to break the chains of bondage so that we can be brothers and sisters with each other in this worldwide uh, place that we live. And, and that's how yesterday does change our todays, because agape sacrifices something for the other. This is how you love your neighbors yourself. You guys all know this, but I, I think we should be encouraged in this uh, so that we, we recognize how powerful and world-changing our faith can be. And that's kind of serious stuff. Let me also leave you with how it does change us individually and, and how powerful it is uh, in, in your life and mine um, on certain special days. So in 2021, as you look back on the year in review, as I look back on it here at Unity Lutheran Church, we did a, a lot of weddings here this year. And we did 2020 weddings that got canceled. We got 2021 weddings that were scheduled that way all along. And we did 2020 weddings that were did small in 2020, and then they were done big in 2021. 
the interesting thing to me about those weddings is this year's weddings were really unlike any others that I've done before, maybe one or two historically, but uh, they were so unique. And at least in my case, when I did them, what I usually did at the beginning of the wedding was say, these two people have come through all of this COVID stuff and they're finally here to celebrate. I think they deserve your applause and the place would explode. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't just polite explode, it applause, it would explode. There was so much energy people had to be there for that couple, to celebrate, to have a good time, uh, to be together in that moment. It was really very striking. It was consistent all year long. The good news of Jesus Christ allows us to celebrate. It allows us to break chains that hold us down. It allows us to be there for each other on the best of our celebrations as per the head allows us to be together at the beginning and the end of everything in between of life and be outside ourselves, which is the best place to be, right? Yesterday always changes tomorrow or today. And it's always a matter of the heart. I don't understand most of anything or most of, most of what uh, the Christian story is about. But I can hold it in my heart and treasure it. I know you do too. Hold it in your heart, treasure it always, be changed by yesterday or today. Hey.